Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom. Can you imagine if you had been able to take a whole class on Star Wars growing up? Today, the Sky Talkers hit the books and head into the classroom to talk all about Star Wars and academia. Sharpen your pencils, study hard, and let's get started. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts. Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm Charlotte. Hey everyone, I am Caitlin and we are so excited to be podcasting again. Uh, We took a month, not a month, we took a break over Thanksgiving and it honestly feels like we haven't been podcasting in a year. It's been so long and we are so excited to be back behind the microphones. It actually was a month, Caitlin. It was oh. like a legitimate month. Oh my gosh. It felt longer than a month. <laughs> yeah, it honestly. was four weeks. It was it's crazy. Four weeks, 30 days, days. seven <laughs> hours. <You know? laughs> it's it's just crazy. Like I miss podcasting so much and I'm so mm-hmm. happy to be back. Like yes. it was such a weird feeling to like not have to edit things or think about podcasting. It was weird. I mm-hmm. and I missed it. <laughs> I missed it so much. much. Yeah. Um, we did do our podcast for our Patreon monthly bonus episode. But that did not feel fill the void completely of not having a Sky Talkers main episode as well. So we're really excited to be back. And not only are we back podcasting from our break, but it is Star Wars month. The Last Jedi is coming out so soon. So soon. So freaking soon. <laughs> Like, I'm so excited. I can't wait to come back to Georgia to see the movie together and, like, record our reaction podcast and see it a thousand times. And Guys, I'm, just get ready. I'm, like, so amped that, like, I can't stop thinking about Star Wars this entire mm-hmm. weekend. I'm, we're recording this on a Sunday, and I'm just, like, I can't handle how close it is and all the mm-hmm. press and everything. I'm just, like, living for Star Wars right now. Yes, and... I am trying not to live for Star Wars right now because it is finals time at school and I need to focus on that and it's very hard. I will just put that out there on the airwaves. It is very difficult and it's a blessing and a curse because I do have all these papers and things that are due so I can focus on that, but it's also really hard to focus on that. <laughs> literally, like literally my last final is on Wednesday and I'll come home that night to see The Last Jedi the next day. It's that it's, close. It's going to be a really good re- reward though. It's going to be – and it's going to be such a good reward. Reward, And I have one final that's due after The Last Jedi comes out. But fingers crossed I can get it done before The Last Jedi. That way it's just – it's all finished. I think you, I think you got to yeah. get it all done. I got it. I got it. It's for my law class, though, and that's – it's a really hard class. <laughs> you can do it. You can cool. do it. <laughs> um, but we have a really exciting episode planned for you guys. Um, if you notice in our prologue, we're talking all about Star Wars in the classroom, and – 
about, what was it, a month ago, we heard on Hyperspace Podcast an interview with two teachers, Michael Miller and Hannah Tater, and they teach a Star Wars class in a high school up in Pennsylvania. And it's freaking amazing. And so yeah. we had to get them on the show and we're really excited for you to hear, hear the interview. I, I want to audit this class so badly. <laughs> I do too. I, I really do. <laughs> um, and so why don't we jump into the parts, Caitlin? Yes. And let's just go for it. Let's just go so, for it. So in part one, we are going to be talking to Michael and Hannah about their awesome class, and it's an interview with them. Yes. And then in part two, Charlotte and I are going to pretend that we are in Michael and Hannah's class and talk about the different papers that we would write if we were in their classroom. And then in part three, we're going to do our dream Star Wars class, and we're going to individually talk about what we would want in our class and then come together and talk about what a Sky Talkers class would look like. So... Without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? All right. Welcome to part one. We are so excited because we have two very special guests on with us today. We have Michael and Hannah. And Michael and Hannah, you guys do a really cool job. What What do you guys do? Tell our listeners. Well, we are theology teachers at uh, Mercyhurst Preparatory High School, and we are fortunate enough to teach an entire elective course on uh, Star Wars and contemporary myth-making. It's so cool. We heard you guys on Hyperspace Podblast, and we just had to have you on because we want to hear all about your different perspectives and what you bring up in the class and um, what the students say, really. We're very interested in all of that. So. Could you just give us a rundown about like everything that you talk about in your class and like what kind of assignments you do and um, how you both got into Star Wars really as well? Well, a brief rundown of the class. We start, uh, actually the class started a couple of days ago. So we're currently taking a look at the hero's journey. We walk the kids through the 12 different steps uh, that Campbell lays out in, um, in his writings. And we take a look at the Star Wars saga, all six movies, through the lens of the hero's journey, but we really start them off with it so that they can analyze a new hope with the hero's journey and start following Luke through that. Because the thing that we've told the kids is that you can really kind of watch a new hope as a standalone film because it goes through that process. And so then after we complete the hero's journey, we start to take a look at Star Wars through the lens of music, theology, morality, um, we do some literary themes. We do. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to to make the students more comfortable with um, exploring films for symbolism. You know, I mean, there's so much in Star Wars to take apart, and there's a lot of a lot of times in classes. You know, you're given a book or you watch a film or, or something like that, and it's a matter of saying, okay, what you know, what do you see here? What's relevant? What's symbolic? And so we really try to move with a depth and a, a pace that makes them feel very comfortable, not just in that deconstruction, but then in their own opinions and what they see there as well. I'm sorry, we do a lot of writing with the kids. Um, the course consists of a number of reflection papers where they have we give them a list of questions and they pick what they're looking at. So everything from if you are Luke and Empire Strikes Back, do you leave your training and the good of the world for your friends to you know, looking at Anakin in episode three, do you sell your soul to the devil and do what has to be done to save the ones you love? Um, and we kind of also give them some of those big 
life questions to look at with a character that they've empathized with through the films. I think that's so cool. Now, are these students, are they like freshmen, ninth grade? Are they seniors in the middle, a mix? Like, is this one of the first really in-depth courses they've had on this kind of critical thinking? We tend to see more sophomores, juniors, and seniors because it's an elective and they um, they tend to have a little more room in their schedules. And they're, they're more, com- you know, coming in as, as a freshman, there's a lot of, you know, you're just taking the basic classes, you're getting a feel for the school, figuring out where you're, you're, you want to go from there. So we do tend to, not that the, I mean, the class is open to freshmen as well, but it tends to, uh, like Hannah said, we see more of the 10th and then the 11th and 12th graders because they, you know, they have the schedule room, they know us, they're excited about what the department offers and, you know, they want to jump in, you know, in a different way. Awesome. Um, you know, when I when I was in college, I took a theology course on Harry Potter. I also took one on C.S. Lewis. And we talked a lot about how imagination kind of plays into the story and how that really has to do a lot with your faith. And I was wondering if you had any um, more to say about like theology and teaching theology with Star Wars. I think we really try to emphasize the spiritual side of it that that when you look at star wars it's really you start with luke's leap of faith his belief in something that he's never truly experienced before in the force and how that leads him and where that takes him and so when we talk about the you know talk to the students about it it's about this notion of why did lucas write star wars lucas wrote star wars because he felt that a generation of kids were growing up without myth and legend without that spiritual sense. And so trying to emphasize that notion of the leap, you know, when, you know, that leap of faith that it takes to start your life, whether it's your spiritual life or whether it's your, your physical. Um, And you see, faith is really, there are so many theological themes that recur through all the films. Faith is, is absolutely one of the major ones. I mean, if you go to that, that climactic moment at the end of a new hope, when Luke is doing the trench run for the Death Star, he had, you know, he hears Obi-Wan and it's that matter of putting his faith, turning off the targeting computer and putting his faith in something larger. And in our increasingly tech oriented life, that's a message that becomes more and more relevant. You know, it's, it it is very difficult, at least I I would say, I know in my own um, prayer life to sometimes shut everything off and focus on developing that relationship as you know as we should all the time and so that's something that that is as relevant now as it was in in 1977 you know what do we put our faith in how do we do that and then you i mean obviously you see themes of redemption and salvation and sin and fall and forgiveness and it's just it's so it, it is so fool in in what it offers you know that there's there's a lot there to pull apart and and as hannah said it what's interesting with with star wars is it's something that's intentionally there um we tell the kids you know that how lucas read over 50 books on world religions before he sat down to fully write star wars you know because and he put the force in there to get you know kids watching this film thinking about well, what could God be? What could God do? How could we interact with God? So it's exciting that we're not just taking this film and and sort of saying, all right, well, let's apply religious themes to it. But like you mentioned, C.S. Lewis, you know, it's something that's very intentionally there. It's, it's part of the story and that we're supposed to explore that. 
and the brilliance, the brilliance with Star Wars for us too, and, and being theology teachers at a Catholic high school, is being able to incorporate the Catholic social teaching. Um, oh yes, definitely. You know, I, 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 you're preaching. I, I went to Catholic college. Like I love that. So continue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're able to talk about systematic oppression. We're able to talk about. Um, you know, that battle of choosing good versus choosing evil, the the good of the whole versus the individual, what, you know, and so you have some great conversations about morality, ethics, social justice, you know, how do these things, what is a human being even, Mm -hmm. you know, what does it mean to be human? And when, you know, when we talk about, you know, some of the Clone Wars cartoons and those things, what does it mean to have a soul? Because you can get into some of those conversations that you can't in other films. And and Star Wars presents that issue of humanity. You know, one of the first you have the division between the the human characters and the alien characters. You know, something that the the expanded universe did a really good job sort of explaining the awkward casting of the late 70s, you know, where everybody was sort of a white guy. You know, by putting this, this idea of sort of this racist and overlay into what the empire did and so you know that explains why you would see a lot more aliens with the rebellion as opposed to in the in the empire so we have that division between you know the humanity of the human characters as opposed to the aliens then uh as hannah said just a second ago you know you look at the clones are they human do they have a soul and honestly even when you look at the droids you know i mean look at r2 and 3po they are fully fleshed out characters and so that's a question that becomes even more relevant now in an age where we are chasing for better for worse true artificial intelligence you know i mean if that's something that's created that raises all sorts of ethical um issues you know if we create real ai what is that how does that fit into our framework and that's a conversation that you can have with the droids you know i mean we care as much about r2 and 3po as as we do about you know luke and han and leia completely and you can have those conversations about even chewbacca and um the ewoks who are a people but are kind of when we look at them we kind of think of them as animals but really they're a people and i can totally see how that can spark so many interesting conversations in the classroom I, I even when I took that Harry Potter class in college, we talked a lot about I, I I don't mean to reference Harry Potter on a Star Wars podcast, but we talked a lot about the elf population. Mm-hmm. How self-liberation <laughs> movement. How, exactly. Spew. So it was it was the whole like the social justice behind that. And I can totally see how that could be a very similar conversation in your classroom about Star Wars. Well, I was just going to say, even on the social justice note, you know, I mean, it's pretty direct when Lucas names the villains, the empire, you know, this idea of imperial domination, imperial oppression. Um, There's a lot of theologians who will write about the sort of one of the overarching message of, of scriptures is that is the idea of God versus empire. Are we living the way God wants us to live or are we giving into the empire or the ways of the world? And so just even, you know, choosing that name opens up a whole avenue of theological discussions and social justice discussions. Yeah, that that is really interesting. Um, the name choices George Lucas picks are so specific. And it's I think it's so great that your class really delves into those choices and how they are reflective of our society and issues we deal with on a day to day and like at the very core of what it is to be human. Um, there was something you guys had mentioned earlier that I just wanted to backtrack on a little bit and maybe get a little bit more specific into the films. Um, but this idea of forgiveness, I was really interested if your classes have kind 
kind of discussed um, how Luke is able to forgive Anakin and whether or not there's going to be similar forgiveness for Kylo Ren after The Force Awakens if he becomes a character interested in redemption. Well, and I think for one of the hard things with the new new canon for us is we take a look at Lucas's six original films. So we take a look at the at the six originals that Lucas was involved in. The kids or the students, I should say, have the opportunity to analyze whatever other piece of canon, whether it's um, EU canon or Disney canon on their own. And so if that's something that hasn't been come up in a final project yet, I'll be interested to see as the kids develop, as the course develops, if we see some of that, especially if they choose to analyze The Last Jedi or... We leave that out intentionally because for their final project, they have to pick, as Hannah just said, something. I mean, they can read a novel. They can watch, you know, a few story arcs from Clone Wars or Rebels. They can watch, well, now it'll be Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi. They could read, you know, a year's run of one of the comics, something like that. And then apply all the principles that we... um, that we did in class to that. And so it becomes an issue of, you know, basically with an eye towards, is this something that does what Lucas's films did in a mythological sense? Is it something that, you know, that Lucas's films did in a theological sense, or is it just a fun story that was put together to sell, you know, for, for popular consumption. And so we don't directly get in to the Kylo Ren stuff because right now we leave that open because we feel anything like that was, we took the kids last year to see rogue one. And then we had a conversation about it with the field trip, but then we realized that sort of polluted it as far as a final project is concerned. And so, cause we had already sort of set stuff, you know, we had, we had led the conversation as opposed to just leaving open for the kids and so given the fact that that's you know i guess you would say star wars now right the force awakens rogue one the last jedi we the the way the course runs now is we leave that open should they choose to jump into that and i do think his issue of redemption regardless of what happens in the last jedi or maybe episode nine i i think it would have to be something that would be touched on i mean i guess we can let you know after we read the final papers this year but yeah, yeah. You, please send those to us because that's that's what I want to hear about too. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting to see what they what they come up with. Um, you know, last year obviously we wouldn't let them do Rogue One because we went and saw it as a class. But the kids who sat and analyzed the Force Awakens and the things that they came up with were really eye opening for for Mike and I because we're at an age where we are, and I used to this before, we're EU babies. Um, we grew up in the expanded universe. And so the story that we have in our heads and the way that we've seen things end is not necessarily what this new generation of Star Wars viewers and, and passion, passionate watchers is, is looking at. Um, and so I totally just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You were going to say that... Um I thought I was going to say that for you. Nope. Nope. I thought oh, oh, oh. We're the back. Kids. We're the good. Kids. Okay. Um, <laughs> they like it. Yeah, that's they what it is. They, they see really something like different than we we're saw. Back. There we go. We're good. You want to edit that part out. We're totally cool with it. Um. <laughs> it's an accurate depiction of what being in our classroom is like, though. Yeah. That is... Uh... <laughs> Welcome. We just stared at each other for a moment and go, do you want to take this one? <laughs> they, they really enjoyed The Force Awakens in a way that, that 
Mike and I weren't necessary. I don't want to say we weren't able to, but that we didn't. It took us a while. It took us a while. Um, and so that's been a really eye-opening experience because, like I said, these are kids who, some of them, The Force Awakens was the first time they saw a Star Wars movie in the theaters. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin hadn't seen a Star Wars yeah, movie I've, in the theater. I became a Star Wars fan right after Revenge of the Sith came out. Uh, Charlotte actually introduced me to Star Wars when we were 13, and that was in, like, 2006. So I missed it, and The Force Awakens was the first new Star Wars film I saw in theaters, and it was incredible. <laughs> like, just for that aspect alone of it being a new Star Wars movie and, like, with the crowds and the lines and – it was it was incredible. And I was gonna say, and that's the age I was, or we were right yep. about there when they released the special edition. Yep, I, I remember middle school going to uh, going to see the special editions for four, five, and six opening night. Uh, it was that yeah, was, it was yeah. so amazing. And. God. And that's that's awesome. so, so the, again, the generation gap, oh gosh, <laughs> that hurts to say, but the, the Star Wars viewer generation gap, we were that age, you know, you waiting in line or being there for Force Awakens for us was Phantom Menace. Yeah. That was the first time we saw people in costume and we were there and it was all that sort of stuff. And it was the first time it was something new. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, they released a special edition and it was these moments of like, oh, that's something new and that's something new. But when Phantom Menace came out, it was a whole new experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for the students coming into The Force Awakens, like I said, it was very eye-opening that the things that they saw that we kind of in our our closed-mindedness yeah. and in our own universe mm-hmm. missed. And it was actually reading those all those papers on The Force Awakens we've talked about was actually a, a really enriching experience for us because we we realized, like Hannah said, all that's I mean, we were not in a good spot when we came out of the force awakens the first time um we didn't know and we did not know how to process it and we might have been a little cynical and we might have been a little angry (laughs) we also saw it another four times that weekend but we but and so reading these papers made us sit and think you know i mean we grew up you know like hannah said the prequels were new for us and so there's always been this weird tension you know when we hear people who just hate the prequels and it's oh my gosh it ruins it and so for us it was new and it was exciting and it was completely relevant. And then so reading these papers on The Force Awakens sort of made us say, okay, we don't want to become that old crotchety Star Wars fan yelling at the kids to get off our lawn, you know, and, and how everything's horrible. <laughs> you know, like... Oh my gosh. We hate so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't, we, we don't want to be those people. And... Yeah, I, I totally get and that. And I remember yeah. watching The Force Awakens the, for the first time after reading those papers. Like, it was a couple weeks after the class had ended. And I'm like, you know what? I think I need to sit down with this again. And I need to leave my preconceived notions and everything that I wanted it to be and everything that I expected it to be and everything that I couldn't process and, and just sort of take that journey with it. And it was why well, still, I mean, there are still things about it that will always, um, you know, make me be like, eh, I don't know. I really appreciated the film, you know, I saw it in a in a very different light, watching it through their eyes. And I I have a, a little bit of a, a different take as well because my children are nine and four, and my husband, not growing up as a Star Wars fan, that that he was kind of in the same place with the Force Awakens as their Star Wars movie. And if my daughter wants to watch a Star Wars movie at nine years old, she'll pick the Force Awakens every single time. <laughs> It is, you know, 
What do you want to watch? Let's watch The Force Awakens. Don't you want to watch Empire Strikes Back? No, I want to watch The Force Awakens. <laughs> How about Return of the Jedi? No, let's watch The Force Awakens. And so it's, it's <laughs> you know, but it's, it is that that idea that there is something to be said about when it's your generation's Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Totally. How, how do the students respond to the prequels and the Clone Wars, I think? It's I, the students who have, who come in as fans of Star Wars already sort of have their opinions, you know, whether you like the clone, whether, right. and so that's, that's something that they are, you know, that then they discuss in class. My take on it, and, and I don't know if, if you would say that you saw this the same way, Hannah, is for the kids who were complete Star Wars newbies. We did it all in one term, so it was sort of all Star Wars to them. You know, it, there wasn't the sense that, like, mm-hmm. you should like this or you shouldn't like this or this should be better than this or that should be better than that. You know, they sort of had – they saw it all in the context of the course. We treated it all the same. We explored it all the same. And so I, I didn't get the sense that there was any sort of, like, judgment or exclude. I mean, de- there were kids who had their their favorites. I would say probably Empire and Revenge of the Sith were the ones that they that affected them the most emotionally. Um, but I, I didn't get the sense that there was, you know, some of the the divisions or or sort of like let's argue this is better than that than some that you see sometimes in the 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 more long term part of the fandom. And I think there was an the interesting part about the way they watch it is the attachment to Anakin that they become much more, I would say they become more attached to Anakin in the prequels than they do to Luke in the originals. Yeah. I think that it would be a fair assessment Yeah, that the, 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 the emotional attachment to Anakin is so great by the end of revenge of the Sith and clone wars compared to the attachment that they have to Luke by the time return of the Jedi ends. And that's a very interesting dynamic to watch and to experience with them and and why do they feel that attachment to that character they might relate more with luke being a teenager Mm -hmm. but there's something about anakin and his journey that really resonates with them well it's 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 interesting that you mentioned that because i i kind of feel that way and i don't know if caitlin feels this way either but i think we both kind of feel like we know Anakin so well because we get this really complete story. And if you're teaching just that, not just that, I shouldn't say just because it's it's magnificent, those, those six movies. And if you follow that arc and introduce the Clone Wars, I can totally see how the students would completely respond to Anakin. I personally also really respond to Anakin. And that was, I really got into Star Wars post-Revenge of the Sith. So it was kind of all complete for me as well. And I was able to track that relationship with Anakin from his beginning to his end. And I think that is really a fantastic way to consume Star Wars. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially with the Clone Wars, you know, because there is so much character development with Anakin, with Obi-Wan, with Ahsoka, with the entire Jedi Order, that it it may, they do so much with him there. I mean, we, Hannah and I, as she said, before, you know, seeing ourselves as EU babies, we got that expansion on Luke and Leia and Han in the expanded universe novels that we grew up reading and rereading. And so, you know, I, I, I remember finding those early on into sort of my Star Wars 
love, you know, watching the films again and again and being like, wait, there's novels that I can read about this too. Uh, and I think that's, I think you're right. I think that's part of why the connection is there with Anakin is because the Clone Wars were such an expansive part of Star Wars and they were so well done that it, it really does so much with the character and it, and it fits very well in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, it really does. And you just you just spend so much time with him. I mean, what you both said, you just there's so much to explore with Anakin that we have right now in canon. It's it's a real gift, I think, from Star Wars. Um, so how do kids respond to kind of the shift from live action into Clone Wars and Rebels? And I mean, are they excited about characters like Ahsoka? Or I remember when Ahsoka first premiered, everyone was like, well, she's not in Revenge of the Sith. What's this all about? Um, do they have similar responses or like do they appreciate what her decision was at the end of Clone Wars and that makes sense for what we see in Revenge of the Sith? Well, unfortunately, due to the time constraints, I mean, it's only a term course. We have 10 weeks. Um, the Clone Wars arcs that we cover are Mortis. We do the Mortis trilogy and then we do Krell. So super weird and super dark. That's what we hit him with. Yeah, we hit him with super weird and super dark. Um, and and it, and it's and it's a it's that moment. You know, they see Mortis because we can talk so much about Taoism and morality and this. You know, where do we fit in this balance of light and dark? And then we show them Krell. And I think last year one of our favorite teaching moments, and I think I've mentioned this previously, is at Revenge of the Sith when. Uh, the 501st marches into the Jedi temple to completely lay waste to everything. And we pause and apparently, and I don't remember this, but one of the students told me you made us watch it on Valentine's day. <laughs> uh, was the exact part. And we stop at that sequence and you, Anakin's leading them in and we go, all right, kids, that's the 501st. And they all look at us and we said, that's who, was with Krell and they can name the clone troopers and they can, and it's this, it's that, that transfer of clone wars into revenge of the Sith. And, and it's a sad moment, but it's also a really great teaching moment of, of what happens when you kind of follow blindly, you know, and, and lose that sense. And it, and it really resonates with the students. So it's not just the moment of Anakin's fall, but all those troopers that they met and that they rooted for and that they were, they were concerned for, they see them all sort of swallowed up by that corruption for Anakin, you know, for Anakin being the, the choice and for them, the programming. Um, but, and there is even so much there, you know, I mean, as far as the social justice note to look at sort of the military industrial complex and this idea of, you know, you know, this, the, the potential for systemics in there and, you know, but yeah, it, it was probably one of the, if not the most sort of emotionally heavy experience of the, the term last year. Cause Valentine's, cause Valentine's day is not angsty enough when you're a teenager. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're oh the teachers drop that bomb on you. It was a memorable Valentine's day though. So it's, I don't remember being Valentine's day. That's the best part. <laughs> We had a similar moment when we binged watch Clone Wars like a season and then we watched Revenge of the Sith and we if you we got really attached to Plo Koon and then we saw Plo Koon in the Order 66 montage what? and we were just like really sad. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, yeah. I, I totally get that. And I can see how that can be a total shocking moment. And it wasn't shocking for us because we, of course, knew that that was coming, but it was still a heavy one moment. Of the that- and I think that's something else that Clone Wars does real well is you get to know all those other Jedi. You know, in Revenge of the Sith, it's a very dark scene when Order 66 plays out. But then once you watch the Clone Wars, you know all of them as characters. You know them as, as people and you know their their hearts and their, you know, their goals and it, it just it, you're right it's a far more of an emotional gut punch once you've once you've done that yeah that's how we felt yep because <laughs> i think we had it's not that we had <laughs> forgotten about the order 66 montage it's just before clone wars we didn't really know those characters so it, it wasn't as much of an emotional scene and then like charlotte said once we got to know plo Koon and how he calls ahsoka little soka and then you see him get shot down and you're just like whoa wait a second <laughs> this is not okay george lucas <laughs> Yes, yeah. Star Wars is tragedy, kind of more than anything else, I feel like. We always come back to sadness in Star Wars. Um, But I wanted to ask you guys about how the order you guys show Star Wars in. And you guys show it for (laughs) 1 through 3. And Charlotte and I actually just finished a big – series on our podcast of Machete Order, and it's something we're really big fans of from a story perspective. Um, So I was just wondering if you guys have ever considered showing it in a different order, or um, if you have had a lot of good success with the four through six and one through three. We fought about the order more than anything that we have ever argued about in our friendship. Yeah. Yeah, it it was ugly. Because it was... It was... Do you go with chronological? Do you watch one through six? Um, do you do machete order? You know, do you four, what we say, four, five, one, two, three, six was the order that I wanted to do. Your crazy order. Yeah, wanted I to wanted to do four, five. You leave off with the knowledge that Anakin is Luke's father, and then you watch Anakin grow up, and then you watch Return of the Jedi. And I really... Yeah, we, the, 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 yeah, yeah we love the machete yeah. order. Yeah, that's the we order love that, that order. Order. And so, listen. You can't. That's one of, that's one of the biggest <laughs> cinematic cliffhangers ever. You can't say, "Hey, look at this stuff," and then wait six hours. Let, all right. Let me let me just say that the emotional payoff you get from switching from Revenge of the Sith to Return of the Jedi is enormous because you learn that Anakin is Luke's father, and then you get to know Anakin. And so when you get to return the Jedi, you're invested. You're like, yeah, Luke, you need to redeem Anakin. Like, he's important. And it just, oh, I, you should do it. You should do it. <laughs> a wiser man would back down now because I'm outnumbered <laughs> three to one. But I am going to, to dig my heels in and die will, on this hill. I will say, as much as I, it pains me that when Mike held his ground about release order, And for the sake of the class and what we're trying to accomplish, release order is definitely the way to go, especially when we're taught for us, the way we develop the hero's journey and the way we develop some of the other morality and theological themes that watching what Lucas did originally, then going back and watching Anakin's journey. And I will say that we don't entirely watch them in order because we take we watch Mortis and Krell in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Okay. So we take a couple days off 
to watch those two story arcs before we make them watch Revenge of the Sith. I first pitched when we were discussing it, and Hannah was advocating your machete order, or the crazy order that makes no sense to me, as I will refer to it in my own head. Um, I, I first pushed one through six, because my thought is one through six is how Lucas has said he wants mm-hmm. new people to come to, and it makes it ultimately um, a story about... Redemption, as opposed to ending on a really dark note, it ends on the the uplifting mm-hmm. note. And it was years ago, I uh, a good friend of mine, her son was seven at the time. And so when I, I would pick him up after schools on Wednesdays and we would watch Star Wars, like that would be it. Like he would finish his homework and then we'd watch. And I showed it to him one through six, um, in part because the they did that weird 3D release of The Phantom Menace, which we saw and he really liked it. And so oh, we right. went from there. And it was interesting watching it yeah, you remember that? I remember that. Um, it's in- it was interesting watching it with him in that way, because when we got to Return of the Jedi, he was so sad, because in his mind, he had already lost one hero, and he was completely certain that Luke was going to fall, because that's what he saw happen to Anakin. And so the emotional experience then of him saying not just Luke survive but redeem Anakin was fantastic. Like it was this really cool experience and we had so many great conversations about it. Um, So I, I had advocated for that, but I do, I do think the release order makes sense because I think he was really little and he was ready to jump in that way. When, uh, my girlfriend, when I showed her Star Wars for the first time, or at least all of them, she had seen bits and pieces, um, we started with A New Hope, and I think it, because that grabbed her immediately, you know, for a complete newbie, I think that, I mean, I love The Phantom Menace, I, I still do, but it is two and a half hours of rising action, so I could see how that could lose, you know, a, a, an older viewer for the first time, so yeah, we went with release order as our compromise, and I think it, it ended up working out really well. Because, again, Phantom Menace was really exciting for us coming in when it was released because we knew eventually what was going to happen. The questions for us was, was how is it going to happen? You know, how are Obi and Anakin going to meet? How is Palpatine inserted into this? How does this young boy become Darth Vader? And so for us, it wasn't what is going to happen. It's how is it going to happen? And that's a very different perspective, especially when you're analyzing a film. Mm -hmm. And we're able to do that with the students now is that they know what the end game is, but how is this going to develop over time? And it gives them a different analytical sense. You know what some of the end game is? You yelled at me for my summary last year for giving too much away. (laughs) You did give a couple more points away. Everybody knows that Vader's his father. That's what I'm saying. It's just it wasn't the Vader. Did I yell at you about Vader being his father? You, I think you did. You I yelled, I yelled at me yelled at so many things. I think I yelled at you about telling them that Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. You yelled at me at something Anakin related. <laughs> no, and then I yelled at you about the Darth Sidious thing. I still maintain that we knew that that's who that was going to be. We right? did, but but I think again, I don't know. I struggle with I struggle I struggle with telling them that Sidious is Palpatine because I think it's that aha moment. Welcome to our lesson planning, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is what goes on when we're sitting in Hannah's office trying to figure out what we're going to do. Yeah, this is, there's a, and actually welcome to our classroom where yeah. one of us says something that the other doesn't approve of, and instead of calmly just giving a look, the other one yells. <laughs> Mostly, I'm not gonna lie. It's me yelling at Michael, but <laughs> I did, and I said it on air. <laughs> Absolutely, like, this could reach 
hundreds upon thousands of viewers, millions, <laughs> millions of people can hear me admit that I yell at you in class. <laughs> yes okay i love it have you guys have have you guys explored rebels at all or or no we leave rebels open in part it's it's just a personal preference we enjoy the clone wars more than the rebels back to us being uh older more cynical star wars fans sometimes but also the same reason that we leave um the force awakens last jedi and um Rogue One open. Last year we did it because it was just the first time we taught the class. So we stayed true to what we knew more. Um, but then when we looked at the final projects, and I guess this made sense and we probably should have expected it, we didn't have um, a bunch of kids running out to do reports on the truce of Pecora or the courtship of Princess Leia or heir to the Empire, much to our, <laughs> our sad old EU hearts. Um, but we had a lot of kids doing The Force Awakens, and we had kids interested in, you know, the Poe comics and and things like that, or, or the Kanan comics. And so this year, when we were expanding the, the Star Wars section in our library, which, by the way, that's awesome, that we don't just work in a place where we um, can teach a Star Wars class, but they've let us build a Star Wars section in the library, and it's incredible. So cool. um, oh my gosh, we so cool. definitely... F- focused on ordering you know the books or the comics that are in and around and dealing with the characters from the force awakens rogue one and now going into the last jedi because i think that makes sense that you know when our students are sitting down thinking about what they want to write on they are going to want to write about their star wars so so we've and i mean we'll see who knows how the, the class would grow or change in the future but our our focus on you know, the Lucas produced stuff in the class, the Lucas produced film, and then some of the the Clone Wars, A, just plays to that core that everything springs from, but it also lets them, you know, look at Kanan or look at Kylo Ren or look at Rey or look at Jin and analyze them on their own. You know, that they can look and say, these are our Star Wars heroes. These are the cartoons that we're watching or these are the movies that we're seeing. Uh, And then they can they can apply that analysis on their own. We try to give them the basics and then allow them to explore the other on their own. Um, Because again, time-wise, we just can't hit everything. And we actually did a day last year. We actually did a day last year where we talked about the EU canon Mm -hmm. versus the Disney canon. Here's what they are. Here's the backstory. Here's, you know, a little bit of, of our experience with the two. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah. And, and then kind of allowed them to go from there. Um, They have to find their, they have to find their own way. No one can choose it for them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I, I was particularly curious, and I'm sure that you guys would um, cover that maybe potentially when Rebels concludes this next year. But I was wondering how, in the same vein that you talk about Mortis, like if you would talk about the Bendu at all, um, just because I think that's a very interesting, almost theological question that you could get into with that. But my next question really was, what is the number one takeaway that you've kind of learned from your students as you've taught these courses? Yeah, wow. This, okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, are we going to answer honestly or are we going to? Yeah, I say go. go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not going to lie. 
having grown up as a child of the 90s and the early 2000s, the Disney canon really bugs me. <laughs> um, it really does. And, and, and like I said, part of that is my own snobbery and, and self-righteousness. Um, part of that is the story that I've built in my head. Um, I was that kid, you know, that, that wanted to write her own Star Wars novel when I was in the eighth grade. I mean, but I think for me, it's, it's a more openness to the Disney canon that I'm much more appreciative of what that story arc is doing and what they've done with it than I was before. And I would echo that completely and that I can see, see the, the worth there, you know what I mean? Because like I, I, I joked earlier, but I stand by it, you know, it's to not wanting to become that, that sort of, crotchety fan who's like i mean we will always have our preferences you know i mean there's i can't imagine anything that's going to happen that i'm going to be like oh my gosh this blows the the eu out of the water for me just because i mean that's like hannah said that was our youth you know we grew up reading those all the time like we lived in those novels um but that you know the the class really helped see from a perspective that i that we weren't out there you know, some of the excitement coming down. I mean, I would say, honestly, I think I'm, I'm more excited for The Last Jedi um, than I was going into Rogue One, in part because I'm interested to see how it resonates with them. You know, to look and see what we take from it, but also to see what, you know, this, this new generation of Star Wars fans uh, coming up uh, below us will will say there's this brilliant documentary called the prequel strike back and so it's this whole um, independently I don't know if you you've seen it um, it's this independently made documentary that um, looks at you know essentially that that line of prequel hate and essentially says there's there's a lot there's a lot of good to it and one of the the people that they interview says at the end of that you know, there's going all these people who said they hated the prequels and it ruined their childhood and blah, blah, blah. They're like, there's going to be a new group of those people um, coming up with the sequel trilogy because they're at that age, which I guess is the age we are. Uh, and so, you know, reading those papers and having those discussions in class made us realize like, OK, whoa, like we, you know, let's let's not let's not just sort of cast this aside. Just just so out of hand. Mm-hmm. It's been I, I completely get that. And I think that. That was like an awesome answer because I I think that I struggled a lot personally with suddenly this acceptance that Star Wars was really cool <laughs> when The Force Awakens came out. And I, I felt like all my life I was like this nerd who was kind of brushed under this table about liking Star Wars. And all of a sudden, like everyone loved it and everyone's a fan. And I think it took a lot for okay. me to yeah. – uh, this is very personal, but yeah, being okay with, you know, all these other people – coming into their own and having their own fandom about star Wars. And it's like the more people that love it, just the better it is. And um, yeah, yeah. It was a definite shift there there. because for the longest time it was just Charlotte and I, we were the only people we knew who were really interested in star Wars. And then like she said, all these other people jumped on the bandwagon and we were like, Hey, wait a second. You need to earn your, earn your stripes to be here. (laughs) But that's, that's not the case. And it's like doing this podcast has almost been a way of, like releasing that in a, in a way, if that makes sense, and recognizing that wherever people come into Star Wars is is great, and the more the merrier. And I and 
that that like you said that sort of explosion of popularity and even of new material because when we were when we were growing up especially before the the special edition came out you know it was the novels and it was the films a couple comics yeah a couple comics i mean i remember vividly the first time i watched star wars i had rented it um on a vhs obviously we'll take you back in time to the probably early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, something like that. Um, and it was, we were at my grandma's house because it was it was either before Thanksgiving or before Christmas. So massive amounts of, of cooking and baking was going on. Grandma has always felt like she needs to feed an army and she needs to get people take home and leftovers for like two weeks after any familial gathering. And so I obviously had nothing to do with that. But I, so I was down in the basement and I had rented some movies and I remember watching A New Hope and I remember hitting play and then pausing it when I saw episode four. And I went upstairs to ask my dad, I'm like, Hey, are you sure this is the first one? And he's like, yep. I'm like, it says episode four. He's like, it's weird, but that's where it starts. And I'm like, okay. And I, went, <laughs> and I went downstairs and it just, it blew my mind. It was like, and I remember going out and, and buying, like buying the trilogy before I, I'm like, I don't even need to see the other ones. Like, this is a world that I just want to be a part of. And then, you know, finding those novels and that was, and, and that's what it was, you know, I mean, that, that was star Wars for so long and it was beautiful and it was brilliant. It was, but yeah, so it is odd to see it everywhere now, you know, there's so many stories being developed and so, and it's exciting. Like you said, the more people jumping on is fantastic, but it, it is a very different star Wars climate than I grew up in. Well, and I, I had a very different, I have, been a Star Wars fan since I can remember. I yeah. don't remember seeing the film for the first time. I just remember that I've been in love with Star Wars since I was a kid. My mother worked for a company called New England Digital when I was a kid. And one of the founders actually went out to work at Skywalker Sound with George Lucas in the late 80s. And my mom had kept in touch with him. And I remember yeah. being a kid looking at my mom going, can you send him a letter and ask him to find me star Wars toys. Can you send me a, send him a letter? I need star Wars toys. I was probably six or seven and you couldn't find them. Yeah. You know, I was that kid that at six years old was like, can we stop at the antique mall? Like I need to find star Wars. Toys. <laughs> yeah, it's not a normal childhood by any means. No kid <laughs> wants to go to the antique store, but, <laughs> but there was nothing until 97 when they released the special edition there, there was nothing. And this year, my kids each have three different Star Wars items on their Christmas list. And it's, it's, this, it's this really surreal moment. And even well, five years ago, I was pregnant with my son. And I looked at my mother and I said, I'm doing a Star Wars nursery. <laughs> and she looked at Hi. me. And so, but she had to go and custom order all the fabric. She handmade everything, like the crib bumpers, the quilts, because you couldn't buy it. I mean, I was I was hand piecing together diaper pails out of old R two D two Pepsi coolers to put together a Star Wars nursery for my son. It's the stuff nerd dreams are made of. You know, and now fast I forward. <laughs> I know there are some people who have dibs on that betting set. <laughs> there are some people who, who want that that Star Wars betting set very badly. But but fast forward, you know, he'll be five in March and I can get him anything Star Wars I want. He has a Star Wars comforter on his bed. He has Star Wars sheets. He's got a stormtrooper hanging in his on his bedroom wall. Like I can get him anything he wants in just that little amount of time. It's incredible. 
Okay. Well, this has been a fantastic interview with you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, We do play a little game with all of our guests at the end of the show. Uh, We call it our Star Wars dinner game. It's not really a proper game, but how it works is we basically ask if you could invite five people to your Star Wars dinner, fictional, alive, cast and crew, whoever you want. Who would you bring to your Star Wars dinner and why would you pick them? And the object of your Star Wars dinner is, of course, to have great conversation. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? How do you want to do this? We've been discussing. We've This has been a, a question that's been plaguing Mike and I all day. Uh, and, 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 and the problem, my greatest problem with it is I have different groupings for my dinner guests. So she wants to cheat. That's so what I this want is to going. cheat. I really have, there's two, I have two. I yeah. I have two. I have the all male and I have the all female. Oh, okay. All right. I'm into this. Okay. Oh, so I'm gonna... so no cootie problems. <laughs> okay. Let's, okay. Let's all start male with, start is all, all male. real. Uh, I think we went with George Lucas because you have to. Mm-hmm. John Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a musician professionally. That's you know music's my thing. So I'm always curious. John Williams. Uh, Lawrence Cassidan, because I really want to see him and George Lucas fight it out about the end of Return of the Jedi. I just want to watch. Um, Number four, I feel that you have to add Mark Hamill because now he's going to be the character that's going to be in, you know, both the old and the new canon consistently. Um. And the fifth, the fifth man at the table. Oscar Isaac. I mean, come on. Because you would spend all, <laughs> let's, you'd spend all dinner lost in his charisma, handsomeness, and wit. Like, that would just be the whole. I mean, I think if there's any people that you can choose from, if Oscar Isaac is one, I, I think you I'd would rather have that be a one-on-one dinner party. Like, oh. <laughs> I apologize to my husband. I love you, sweetie. But if I can have dinner with, with anyone one-on-one, that's, that's my, my pick. Yeah. Um, but five, actually, I would have to go fifth would be Ian McDermott. Oh yeah. Ooh, because I don't, I don't think Ian's been invited to a Star Wars dinner yet. So good pick. Oh, oh I, because he's again, he's another one. He's seen the prequels and the originals. I mean, I know that he's technically a special edition add-on, but like, well, he was in Jedi. Oh, he was in Jedi, yeah, but not not Empire. But mm-hmm. I think that he would have interesting insight having worked with all of them and the dynamic. And he's just such a fantastic character actor. I mean, yeah, I, I'd love to hate him. <laughs> you know, I'd love to hate him. So that's my all male cast. Yeah, that's my all male real people cast. Do you want Mike to go now or should I share the female? Um, Mike, you can go. We'll, we'll interject with Mike's dinner. <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's. That puts pressure now. I'm in love with you. I, I was still finalizing a couple of choices, but I will connect or I'll commit. <laughs> I will start with, I'm just going to run fictional. You're all male. Real was good. So I'm going to stick with, with okay. fictional. Um, I would start with Mara Jade. Back to that being an EU baby. I think she's one of the most brilliant characters in Star Wars, in any canon, in any creator. The fact that she starts, you know, as a teenager with Palpatine, you know, as the Emperor's hand, and she blindly believes that the Empire is this just thing, you know, so she's somebody who serves with Palpatine, who serves with Vader, uh, who goes on, you know, to know Thrawn, and then ultimately ends up 
you know, with Luke and being a vital part of the the new Jedi Order. Um, so, you know, and I and I think that's and they get married and they have kids and, and all that awesome stuff. Um, obviously, you need Chewbacca because I love Chewie. I want to hug him. Um, and honestly, if I was sitting at him at the dinner table, I would ask how he feels about everybody like scratching his neck or head goodbye. Because Luke does that all the time. And I secretly think it's demeaning. <laughs> like he doesn't object because it's a good guy. But like, is he a person? Is he the dog? Like that's And that bothers me for Chewie. Whenever and so I would like to just sit him down, Agreed. you know, and and say, give him a couple glasses of blue milk and say, listen, between you and me and the table, does that bother you? Um, <laughs> so that's your one on one. Yeah. Oh, oh, one on one on Chewy. Maybe I should pick that. Um, I'd also like Obi Wan in the the Tatooine exile period, you know, because he has to go through some pretty rough emotional stuff after Mustafar, and um, and he is. And people are probably lonely, honestly. He can only watch Luke through the binoculars so long before he needs something to do. So I think the dinner invite would be uh, would be helpful. Um, Asajj Ventress, because she's just the... I went back and forth between Ahsoka and Ventress. Um, and and I went with with Ventress just because I think of the, the complexity. Um, although when Ahsoka leaves... Nope, focus, Michael, you're committing. I'm going with Ventress. <laughs> Um, the, you know, because she could speak to being a night sister, to serving with Dooku and the, the separatists, to her time as a bounty hunter, to her experience with Ahsoka, to everything that goes on in Dark Disciple. Um, so I think she would just be fascinating. So what does that, that leave me with one left, right? Yes. So one left, then I'm, I'm going with Luke. I mean, yeah, you, yes. you have to go with Luke. I, we've got Mark Hamill at the all male real people one. So I'm, I'm going with Luke Skywalker. And then yeah. it's nice because he and Mara could have a nice a, a night out without the kids, you know? So I think that that would be fun for each of them. Aw, <laughs> that's so nice. <laughs> so that is a, that's a really good pick. I, I like your, I like both your dinners, but I'm also excited to hear Hannah's all female Star Wars dinner. Uh, my all girl, my girls night out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Michael just inspired me to change it up <laughs> a little bit though. So I also have to include Mara Jade, and Asajj Ventress in my all-girls dinner party. Um, one, because they are just so badass. And, yes. and two, like, there's just something about women that can beat the crap out of anybody. Like, and they're complex characters. Um, I really fell in love with Asajj Ventress when I read Dark Disciple, um, to the point that I have thought about shaving my head and dying it blonde, like, real short and dying it blonde a lot. Um, like have really thought about it. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, you know, Mara Jade just she's my <laughs> childhood. You know, she and I grew up together, um, and so I, I appreciate that. So Mara and Asajj, I was gonna say Phasma, but I think I'm gonna sub her out for Ahsoka because I, I there's something about that dynamic. She'd be a warmer dinner companion too than Phasma. Yeah, and I yes. feel like she and I feel like she would have more to add um phasma i don't know if you've read the phasma novel um the new phasma novel yeah she is a fascinating character and she has a lot to add but ahsoka is ahsoka um and there's a, a an innocence yes. but also a maturity about her that that i think would be intriguing you have to have leo organa solo um I go back and forth between whether I want EU Leo Organa Solo or Disney Canon Leo Organa Solo. 
Um, that has yet to be determined. <laughs> and then for my fifth and final is EU Mon Mothma. Ooh. Because if you know oh. if you know Mon Mothma in the EU in the Disney canon, she she's very much a pacifist, um, and she you don't see her rise up into the leadership as much. You don't have as much, I don't have as much invested in her yet. Um, you see her in Rogue One a little bit as kind of the mastermind behind getting everything moving. The, the EU explores her and paints her as an incredibly strong, driven calculated woman who also has this emotional and and loving side that she she's really a fascinating character and i would love to get the five of them together so that's my girls night out those are awesome picks um thank you so much no i I had enough trouble putting together one dinner party so i'm gonna let and if we're gonna be honest hannah could probably host them better than i so i'll let her run two parties and i'm comfortable with my one and spoiler alert (laughs) we're gonna be ordering from domino's so that's that's what we're gonna be having um (laughs) so yeah i'm I'm good with just the one thank you Well, I think those are some really great dinners. I hope Charlotte and I get an invite as well. Um, But thank you guys so much for being on the show. It was such a pleasure to have you both on and hear about your class. If you ever need some substitutes, I'm sure Charlotte (laughs) and I would be happy to hear about. Um, But outside of the classroom, where can people find you both? You can uh, find me on Twitter Twitter at uh, my underscore comic relief um or my my email is on the the mercyhurst website at mpslakers.com you can find my email in the same location mpslakers.com and my twitter handle is hannah l tatter two t's two a's one r but it's t-a-t-a-r it's not t-a-t-t no it's t-a-t-a-r you understand it could have went you could have people following the wrong person they'd be confused (laughs) if any if anyone listening is is confused we will have both of their twitter handles in the show description notes so don't worry about it But thank you guys so much for being on the show. Once again, it was so much fun. And I hope you guys enjoy The Last Jedi. Oh, you too. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for having us. This has been a blast. Thanks so much. Seriously. It was amazing to talk to you. Okay. Welcome to part two of Sky Talkers. Um, That was a really fun interview. I loved talking to them. Honestly, some of their conversations about things like machete order versus regular order sound like how we talk about Star Wars. I know. (laughs) And like bickering. It was great. Yeah. (laughs) It was really fun. I don't think we have a huge like discrepancy. Like I don't know if we would argue that much like what kind of similar <laughs> I mean we we argue. We <laughs> argue like we argue. But you know what I mean? Like how they were very diametrically opposed on what order to watch Star Wars in for their kids. Like I wonder what that thing would be for us. Oh, I think we'll we'll cross that bridge. Yeah, when, when we, get, we to get to it. Part three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, all right. So <laughs> 
in this in this section, we're going to be talking about paper topics of what we were we would choose to explore if we were in Michael and Hannah's class. And of course, Charlotte picked that we were going to each have three topics and for an eight to fourteen page paper is what she <laughs> put down. And me, I literally have four more papers due this semester, and I'm having heart palpitations about my actual real life papers, let alone to think about an additional three. Eight to fourteen page paper. <laughs> oh, please, this would be the best paper ever to write. You could write it. I in know, your I know, I know, I know. Um, it's just funny because I was like, no, not more paper. <laughs> I know, and I wrote it like a in our show notes, guys. I have like, <laughs> we each bring three topics we'd love to explore in an eight to fourteen page paper. <laughs> like, what's your thesis statement? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you might as well put, you know, I'd like a double space, times New Roman, one inch margin. <laughs> 12.5. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. Um, so I'll let you start. I'll let you go okay. first. Okay. So the first one, just a little background, guys. I was an English major, so I always wrote about um, feminism <laughs> in every book ever. You don't And that say. was kind of that was kind of like the fallback. I feel like every English major goes through this where it's like, okay, well, I don't know what to write about. Hmm. Let's write about women. And, <laughs> but the thing is, is that I genuinely loved exploring that side of every book and everything. And I would love to explore femininity in Star Wars. That would be my paper that I could definitely write like a 50-page thesis on, honestly. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting. My first paper, and I, I actually think we, I would have to wait about maybe five to ten years to write this paper. But I would want to – I don't – like do like a compare and contrast or similarities between George Lucas and Dave Filoni and kind of like how George influenced Dave and how we see that throughout Dave's creations and then how he kind of expanded on that in in his own right. I think that would be so cool. And it, it would actually be interesting. Like we could be talking about this in 10 years about how Ryan Johnson has kind of taken that place of mm-hmm. the George Lucas and maybe that paper would evolve in 10 years to be about George, Dave and Ryan and yeah. like what sort of roles they have within Lucasfilm and storytelling. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because people, you know, are like, oh, Ryan Johnson is the new George Lucas. And I'm like, wait a second. Hello, Dave Filoni was literally George <laughs> Lucas's protege. So I don't – what are we talking about here? And not to say I don't love Ryan Johnson because I, I love and adore Ryan Johnson, but Dave Filoni was here first. Just, I said it. I said it. Okay, I said it. <laughs> Indeed. But like when he – when Ryan helms his own trilogy, mm-hmm. like I feel like we're going to have a lot to draw on about that sort of topic. And I think – yeah, I think you're really absolutely interesting. right. It would be interesting to see all three of them like compared through these generations because – you know, especially taking into consideration that both Dave and Ryan grew up with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super cool. I would read it. I'd give it an A+. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> okay, so my my next topic, which is like, I feel like you're going to be surprised by this, Caitlin, because this is kind of something that we don't really like delve into in um, our podcast, but I would write a paper all about what lightsabers symbolize. And oh, very surprised. <laughs> I know. I knew it would be. Well, I just think that, like, I've been thinking a lot about how Obi-Wan in Attack the Clones says 
this weapon is your life and what it means about how Anakin is like literally always losing his lightsaber. Um, I think there's actually a lot there that I've been trying to wrap my brain around recently that I think that I could explore that in a paper pretty well. Um, because especially, you know, Luke, he he was he's gifted the lightsaber. He creates his own in Re- Return of the Jedi. There's so much that has to do with like lightsaber lore recently with mm-hmm. the kyber crystals. I just think there's like really what does it represent as a Jedi to have a lightsaber? And what does that say about your responsibility level and who you are as a person? That would that would be really interesting, especially considering Rogue One and um the episodes in Clone Wars where the kids get their kyber crystals and mm. what we find out about like kyber crystals bleeding when exactly. they turn red. But it, it was, it's one of those things though that Star Wars is very specific about not completely explaining on purpose. So mm-hmm. there would be quite a bit of ambiguity in it, which I don't think is a bad thing. Leave a lot of room for speculation and, and analysis, but that would be really interesting. No, I mean, because even people talk about how like Kylo Ren's lightsaber is explicitly representative of who he is as a person. He's mm-hmm. jagged. He's not complete. He is, uh, I mean, his crystal bleeds, right? It's it's red. It's unfinished and kind of like his personality, his whole like ethos. I think that there's just so much there and how the lightsaber calls to Ray. I, th- I just think that like there is something there. Maybe we should do a podcast on this. On lightsabers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. Okay, jot it down. Jot it down. <laughs> 2018. <laughs> um, which, by the way, if you are interested, if there's something you want to hear us talk about in 2018, let us know um, on Twitter, through email, just like a shameless plug because we want to talk about what you want to hear. So in the new year, kind of rhymed. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, so for my second paper topic, I would really want to explore the like the paradigm shift in filmmaking after Star Wars came out and to really look in depth at the ripple effect of Star Wars in popular culture. Um, we talk about it quite a bit and I feel like it's People talk about it, but I would want to do something really in-depth just about talking about how um, movies are consumed and created by the public. I think Star Wars completely changed the game. Like the way that we talk about movies today is directly impacted by what Star Wars did back in the 70s and even in the 90s and 2000s and all of that. And I think it's it's really important. And I – yeah, I would want to – History paper on it would be yeah, great. Yeah, like a really in-depth history paper, which they've kind of already done that with How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by mm-hmm. that book. But I would do it too. I would do it too. <laughs> I mean, I think it just gets more and more interesting as Star Wars gets bigger and bigger and bigger too. Yeah, because there's there's nothing – I think the only comparable franchise really is Star Trek, but it, it's completely different than Star Wars because um, it is more TV show-based whereas Star Wars is more film and movie-based. And so to have something that has spanned 40 years and is still as popular as it was 40 years ago, is that's insane. There's nothing else like that. Totally. I completely agree. Just that there's a lot of mediums going on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's why we have this podcast. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my last paper topic – So just another bit of background. I mentioned in our interview, I did, I took a lot of religion classes at college and I wasn't a religion major. I just really loved like 
<laughs> weird theology classes. Um, and by my senior year, I was able to get into the Harry Potter seminar that was a theology religion class. And my final paper on that I did on intertextuality within the Harry Potter universe and how J.K. Rowling really puts books on a pedestal and how books and their importance of books is really all over the text and what that means um, overall. So I kind of want to do something. I would want to do something similar in Star Wars about how self-referential it is or meta. Um, this got me thinking about how Luke says in the trailer, this is not going to go the way you think. Um, I think there's a lot mm -hmm. there um, all over Star Wars to study what meta is within the universe yeah yeah i think that would i think that'd be interesting should we tell them about our inside joke from middle school about foreshadowing yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a joke that's the that's the bad it's thing just, of, it's real it's, <laughs> charlotte and i had this joke where because um i watch we watch star wars chronologically so one through six growing up that was how we always watched it and we would start watching things like um, – I can't even think of a good example. Oh, like when Anakin – when you hear uh, the Imperial March in Attack of the Clones, right? And we're like, oh, it's like foreshadowing what's to come in Empire Strikes Back. But it's actually backshadowing because Empire Strikes Strikes Back was technically first. So it's like, is it foreshadowing or backshadowing? foreshadowing this is way funnier to us than it is to everyone <laughs> and we, we literally just go back and forth we, is it foreshadowing or backshadowing oh i think it's foreshadowing but technically it's, it's backshadowing <laughs> but actually actually it's if you look at it in, in the real world it's backshadowing but if you look at it within the story it's foreshadowing exactly <laughs> um sorry that's why there needs to be a paper on that yeah because exactly like, there's a lot of things within Star Wars that also like matter within I, – I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot there. Would love yeah. to get into it. Yeah. Would make a good A-plus topic. Would you title your paper foreshadowing and or backshadowing? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry everyone had to sit through that really bad story. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm not editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember thinking that we were just hilarious, that it was just so funny. <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. It still and, is. <laughs> the, thing, yeah, the thing is, we're still laughing about it. So yeah. clearly it was it was funny. Um, okay, so my third paper topic, I've actually thought about writing a paper, my master's thesis on Star Wars before. I am not sure if it would work. As some of you may know, if I can speak correctly, I am currently getting my master's in historic preservation, which if you're unfamiliar, and a lot of people are, uh, historic preservation is basically the preservation of places and cultural landscapes and buildings and historic districts, things like that. So I have actually thought about doing my master's thesis on the preservation of Star Wars in the real world and what that might look like, how a property that is associated with Star Wars is what we say in the field is like significant enough to warrant being preserved and kind of how you would go about proving that um, as like a place of pop culture and how that is something that is important enough to be preserved. So I do something like that, I think. Do definitely write your master's thesis on that. You gotta. <laughs> Everyone tweet us and tell 
Caitlin that she needs to write her master's thesis. The on thing Star Wars. is, it's like you could—it's kind of already not that it's already been done, but similar things have already been done in the preservation world for places that are representative of pop culture. Like Elvis Presley's house has recently been placed on the National Register, so it's kind of already been done. Um, that I wouldn't really have a lot to prove. I would just be saying, "Hey, we should preserve Star Wars places." <laughs> But we should. We should. That's the thing. Uh, it's just – it's not really a, a thesis. It's not a good – there's no argument really there. Um, it's just mm. like you've got to write the National Register of Historic Places nomination form. And a <laughs> form is not a good thesis. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are some pretty good paper topics. I would read and write all of those in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'd pull an all-nighter for all those. Yeah, I think I'm. I think my favorites are your lightsaber one and my George Dave Ryan one. Yes, Sam. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to part three. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. Hi guys, welcome to part three. So in this part, we're going to be talking about our dream Star Wars class. Caitlin, what would be your dream Star Wars class? A class on Star Wars. Yeah, like literally. That same. Would, that would, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's literally all I need it to be, just have Star Wars in it. I – my dream Star Wars class would – because it's so, – I thought so differently about this before we had our interview with Michael and Hannah. And now I feel like I need to reevaluate everything I thought my Star Wars class should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that I, I really liked how they had that debate about what order to show mm-hmm. kids that in terms of the Joseph, Cam- Joseph Campbell hero's journey story. And I think that is actually really interesting. And I kind of I agree with them. Yeah, that's um, the thing. Me too. But I just I love machete order. I know. I know. <laughs> if I had a if I had a longer period and I'm assuming that I have a longer period of time than they do. Um, I would go through all of Clone Wars and Rebels and kind of get more into like speculation and story beats, I think. And also I'd make it a really, really, really big deal to consider all these different mediums on the Mm -hmm. same playing field. Yeah, I think that would be a big focus too. And I think what – and it's different because their class is a theology class, whereas I think our classes individually and as a Sky Talkers class would probably spend a good chunk of time talking about Star Wars in the real world mm-hmm. and, and how it is generational, how people come into this fandom, how it is a part of our social conscience. Uh, I think that would probably play a big part in in our class. Totally. Um, I'd also do a lot of focus on certain characters. I think that would probably fall into our Sky Talkers class, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know that we love to focus in in depth on characters. And I think that would be something I'd really want to have a conversation with as a group in like a seminar forum about what people think of certain characters and what strikes them um, about them. And I'm specifically obviously thinking about Padme and what yeah. – <laughs> <laughs> No what one people... no one was questioning that. I know. <laughs> and like I just I, – I, I'm always curious of all these different perspectives um, and – where they think her character should have gone or does go. And I would love to talk about that in a forum, I think. Yeah. I mean, I do basically on Podbay, but. <laughs> Isn't that what podcasting is, but a forum? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be really hard in a class, especially as huge Star Wars fans. And I think this is quite smart how Michael and Hannah do it with 
just doing the one through six uh, movies about not getting into things like speculation because I know for us and for me, I, like you, I asked a question about it. I was like, so do they think Kylo Ren's going to be forgiven? <laughs> Like that was your first, literally your first question. Yeah, I was like, wait, wait a second. So what do they think about Kylo Ren? Um, and I think it, it's so right what they said. They're like, we don't really delve into that because it's not a complete story yet. And also it's a different um, a different vision. It's not George Lucas at the helm. And there is a lot to be said about the original six being directly from George Lucas's head. And that's really important when you're looking at the bigger story and kind of how the creator's hand plays into how these films were made across multiple generations. So totally. I think it's, it's smart they do it that way. But I really want to know what their students think. So <laughs> hopefully if anyone writes a paper on that, they will send it our way. I'm actually pretty curious that you would want to show students things in the machete order. I, I don't I don't know if I, I would. I think that my inclination would always be to show it in chronological order just because – that's the that's why the reason why I introduced you to that that way is because that's what George Lucas had always told us to do, you know. And I thought that that was like the proper way to view mm-hmm. the saga of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, and um, I, I I that's how I would introduce that to students just based off of Anakin's whole story. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with their reasoning behind showing four of through course. six and one through three, and also that one through six would work. I think either one of those viewings would work. And it goes in back into what kind of the the foundation of their course is, you know, the hero with a thousand faces, the mythology and the lore um, behind Star Wars and how George Lucas set that up. I think if you were looking at it from like a story perspective more so, I think Machete Order like if that part wasn't as as heavy handed in my class, then maybe it wouldn't be. I think machete order would be something really interesting. Or perhaps if you had a class where they had to take Hannah and Michael's class as a prerequisite, and then they got to come to my class and we can mix things <laughs> up a bit and do machete order. Actually, that's yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with is that their class is a prerequisite, so they're familiar with everything. They've got the foundation knowledge. And now they come into my class. And, and they even have that EU background, yeah, too. Uh-huh. Yep, that have I, would a wide able, scope. I would not be able to give them that. Mm-hmm. And then we would be able to dive into things like Machete Order and talk about um, the like the new canon with Force Awakens and how The Last Jedi. Yeah, that's my class. Yep. Okay. I mean, that's a good class. I would take yeah. that. I mean, it's Thank pretty – like, I've mentioned this now three times on this podcast already, but I maybe it does maybe it doesn't matter, but whatever. Um, I took a C.S. Lewis class and a and Harry Potter I class, took, and I took a Harry Potter class. Did you? I didn't know that. <laughs> I know it's like shocking information. Oh, <laughs> but the the thing is, is that in that class we read. So I'll start with the C.S. Lewis class. We read every single one of the C.S. Lewis's works, um, and we also read. Um, uh, what's the, oh my God, here we go. The Golden Compass mm-hmm. and everything. And we kind of compared that. And I was wondering like, what is, and, and then in, in the Harry Potter class, we read all of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and compared that to Harry Potter. And, um, it was really good to bring in that, bring in that outside source. And I'm just like wondering what would we watch and read as a comparison? And, um, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe we would yeah. like go to go to like the Flash Gordon episodes, like yeah, something something like that. 
you can go that route. Um, or you can just not do that at all. But I feel like you lose that. <laughs> like maybe you could get something from like the Indiana Jones movies. Because I do think that you you pick up a little bit about like George Lucas's head and like his his style of filmmaking when you watch Indiana Jones. But I don't know. What do you think? I think it'd be interesting if you went that route to then just have a class on George Lucas where you could watch things like THX 1138 and yes. um, American Graffiti, Star Wars, Indiana, um, that – what was that animated one that came out a couple years ago? Oh, God. I don't what remember. What was that called? Oh, it's I can't like remember. It was a weird – Stranger, Strange Strange things. Magic. Strange Magic. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. Strange Magic. And um, didn't he did Land Before Time too, didn't he? Yes, I think yes. he did. I, <laughs> and yeah. um, Howard the Duck. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, and uh, and Red Tails, right? Isn't that what that movie was? Yeah. Called, so the there Tails? is like a, a pretty large amount of things that you could consume. I yeah. suppose. Yeah, and that would be interesting to go through in that class chronologically. So to start yeah. with THX one one three eight and go through. Because I remember when I saw – I didn't see American Graffiti for the first time until two summers ago. And I got to see it at this old theater in Savannah, Georgia. So it was it was really awesome. Um, but I remember watching that and like seeing the role that visuals and, and music played in that movie. I was like, this makes so much sense for what is to come in Star Wars. And it was it was really cool to kind of see that connection play out. And you even get a little bit of that too in THX 1138. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be good at also in this class to read the George Lucas A Life uh, biography, mm-hmm. which I, I recommend to every listener. I think, I mean, obviously it's a really long read, but you do get a lot of information and backstory about George Lucas and as a person. And it's really interesting. Um. <clears throat> you know, my roommate in college, she took a Spanish course and it was uh, she was a Spanish major and this was very deep within her studies and she was taking a Spanish lit course and she was reading a story called Amidis de Gala. I'm definitely mispronouncing that, but I had to ask her about this um, and she had to watch Star Wars for the class and she was telling me how remarkably similar this story was to Star Wars, and it was written in like the 1500s. It's it's crazy how it's like about uh, a prince who's basically hidden away after his father like basically becomes evil, and how he has a twin. It's it's really really bizarre how similar oh, it is. Do they, they just have to watch a New Hope? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's, like, basi- it's basically I, a New Hope. She's like, don't worry, I got a friend who's got the movie. It's fine. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> like, oh, it's like the easiest part of the class. <laughs> But I do – I think that there's definitely those kind of things that would come up in a class like that where you could look at old historical stories or just like you follow the hero's journey type idea and pick some stories and try to compare and contrast that way as well. Yeah. No, I think that would be really interesting. That's the thing. There's so much with Star Wars to explore. Even doing things like watching um, the the movies that George Lucas really drew from, like you said earlier, like Flash Gordon or um, I can't think of what it's called now, but the the samurai movie, uh, yeah. hit it, what was it? Hidden Fortress? Hidden Fortress? I yes. think that's it. I think yeah. that's it too. Uh, watching all of those, which we need to do that, by the way. Um, 2018. <laughs> 2018. Uh, shapeless plug. Let us know what you want to hear. <laughs> oh, is that the second time I've mentioned that? Okay, slipped my mind. Uh, 
that's like that's the thing. There is so much, and there's not a wrong way to talk about Star Wars. It's it's just exciting to be talking about Star Wars and to talking and to be talking about it from whatever perspective you are introduced to it in. And I think that's probably the most exciting thing about Hannah and Michael's class is that you have it's like a it's like a grab bag every time they get a new group of kids. You know, who's seen know. Star Wars? Who hasn't? What are they gonna think? What is their paper topic gonna be on? What are they going to attach onto more than something else, you, you and, know? And are they going to leave the class being a lifelong fan? And yeah. I, I think that's, like, really special. And to, mm-hmm. like, be able to I, – I would love going to my job every day if I had the opportunity to do that. To I, be I, part I really of someone's so. Star Wars journey, I think yeah. that's that's so cool. Uh, totally. Very jealous of their I job <laughs> right about now. I'm like, maybe I should quit this, this preservation thing and go into teaching. <laughs> <laughs> agreed. Agreed. So Gosh. what would our Sky Talkers class like really be on? We kind of touched on it, but what would we do? Gosh, I think I think we I think you and I we'd probably settle on showing it one through six. Mm-hmm. I think is what would happen. And I think we actually might spend more time in Clone Wars yeah, than Rebels. I agree. Uh, but I think we'd probably sh- I think we'd probably show a little bit more of Clone Wars than Michael and Hannah do. I know we we definitely I would insist that we show the last arc with Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yeah. I, like, I think it would be really to. cool to show even Yoda, the the forgotten arc or whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the, all those, the lost missions or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think there's even, – even if you're looking at Anakin's story, I think the Clovis arc is always really interesting yes. just based off of his control issue with Padme. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot there. I think our class would probably take more of a focus on story rather than the like the theology behind mm-hmm. Star Wars. I, I definitely think that would be a big part of it. But I think probably how we would structure our class would probably be very similar to how we structure our podcast. Oh, definitely. <laughs> story, character, grab bag. <laughs> Free for all. <laughs> Ask, put your questions on the board, and we'll answer them in class. <laughs> um, I had an idea, though, for our Star Wars class that I think I thought would be really cool because this is obviously what we do here is the whole Star Wars dinner concept. And I yes. think it would be really fun is in the beginning of the year, we'd have every student write down who they would bring to their Star Wars dinner, what five people. And then if it was like super basic in the beginning, like if it was literally like Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, and Darth Vader. And then by the <laughs> end, would it be like your George Lucas, your Ryan Johnson, your your Dave Filoni? Would you bring Ahsoka? You know what I mean? I think yeah. it would be really cool to – that would be a really great way to map that transformation about education within Star Wars. Yeah, I me. think so too. And Because I think then you get to see what – like who you've made a lifelong Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. But also, like, what are people being attached to? Yeah, like, what's really resonating with them from the story? B- because the it, it, it's it's totally fine if you, your student ends up being like, I want to have Luke, Leon, and Luke, Peter. Yeah, like, that's totally yeah. fine. Like, because at my Star Wars dinner, like, I basically want all the Skywalkers, too. Like, yeah. that's definitely a dinner that I would want to have. Mm-hmm. But, but the – I just think it would be really cool to see that transformation in that, like, education at work. Yeah, there. and it would be interesting, too, to because it, like – if their dinner didn't change, they'd be able to explain more of why they want to keep that dinner the same way. 
Exactly. You know, and then it would be really fun too to see the people who have no um, familiarity with Star Wars and they're like, I have no, I'm eating dinner alone. (laughs) 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 And then at the end, they have all these new Star Wars character friends that they get to have a dinner with them. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. (laughs) Really fun. And I think too, uh, having a focus on like the creation of these films, like the physical, you know, people like Ben Burr and John Williams and Doug Chang and Lawrence Katz and like having them be a really prevalent part of our class too would be something that I would want to make sure we talked about. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, oh, I think that's going to wrap up our show. Yeah, I mean, this was really that fun. Was, it was so awesome. And I, I like, I'm sitting here like, oh my God, we're about to do the sign off. And like the next time, yeah. we, I'm like literally tearing up. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> the next time we talk to you guys, we will have seen The Last Jedi. Oh my God, I'm like straight up Stop it. Up. Stop it. <gasps> I can't handle that. Uh, I know. Me neither. I can't handle that. Um, if you guys are listening to this before Sunday, December 10th, Charlotte and I are doing a live tweet of The Force Awakens. And that is starting at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And after that finishes, we are signing off from social media until The Last Jedi comes out. Yeah. Sorry. So, yes. Sorry. <laughs> you can email us if you really yeah. have something like burning that you need mm-hmm. to tell us. But if you email us some spoilers, like I swear to God. <laughs> You, if we could yeah. block you from listening to the podcast, we would. <laughs> please don't do that. Yeah, please don't do that. Please. No, one, no one will do that. No one would do that. No, um, no. But if you're perfect, you guys are better than that. Yeah, no, not our listeners. Uh, I, I just can't believe that two years ago we saw The Force Awakens and this podcast was barely even a blip on the radar for us. And the thing is, is it's so just so funny because we had started the YouTube channel and we were just like so desperate to talk yeah. about Star Wars. And like now here we are. Like, yeah, I'm like very, very emotional. I'm very emotional about it. too. <laughs> I I just think like so much has changed that like for us personally, having the podcast since The Force Awakens came out and, and The Force Awakens has been like this constant thing or The Last Jedi, I guess the Star Wars has been this constant thing. And it has been for the past 10 years for us as well in our friendship and oh emotions <laughs> okay well um, i'm going to get serious so all right well you know where to find us we're at skytalkers pod at, on twitter and our website is skytalkers.com where you can find all of our shows where to find us and links to our patreon and speaking of patreons we just want to say a big thank you to our awesome patrons you guys are awesome, and we really couldn't do this without you, and we are so thankful for you. And here they are. Lynn, Neil, Jim, Suara, BJ, Ryan, Emma, Amy, Aaron, Kirsty, Cherie, Kyle, Brandon, and Chuck. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. And if you are thinking about giving Sky Talkers a Christmas present, you could leave us a review <laughs> on iTunes. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, please. Yes, they really help us out. Um, not only do they help our show out, but they just make Charlotte and I really, really happy. And we thrive off of your comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
<laughs> honesty hour here. Honesty hour. It's been very honesty hour. Um, but they really do mean a lot to us uh, that you would take time out of your day, not only to listen to our show, but to leave feedback on our show so that more people might listen to Sky Talkers. Uh, it really does mean a lot to us. So thank you for those of you who have reviewed. We have read your reviews and they make us smile and feel things and love this this podcast even more in this podcasting community so thank you so much we will see you when last day comes out so oh my God. Uh, may the force be with you may the force be with kylo ren with luke skywalker with ray kenobi with- no doing <laughs> <laughs> with the porgs with finn with rose may the force be with everyone we will see you on the other side <laughs> may the force be with you bye bye